when you're in it and it's stressful, it seems like the only thing, but it's not. The world and the universe is so much bigger. Sometimes it's helpful to think about the fact that like in five years, really probably less, no one's going to care whether or not you replied to that email. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. Before smartphones, but after flip phones, came the BlackBerry phone. And it sounds a little bit ancient, but I was given one once upon a time by my employer so that I could check email on the go. And if you had a BlackBerry phone, then you know that on the upper right corner of the phone, there was a tiny little light. And every time I received an email, the light would blink red. It was just this little, red, innocent, harmless, blinky light. But it didn't take too long before the innocent, harmless, blinky light started to rule my mind. I developed this very unhealthy, very torturous relationship with the blinky light wherein I was half addicted to it and half had this weird Pavlovian stress response to it. So I would constantly check to see if the light was blinking red. And sometimes when it wasn't blinking red, I would half kind of imagine slash hallucinate that it was blinking. Like sometimes I could not tell the difference and I could not tell whether it was blinking or not. And I knew that things had reached a tipping point, and I knew that my thoughts had become way too consumed with my emails and work and the blinky red light. One night when I was out (laughs) with my significant other, it was a Friday night. I was trying to forget about the work week and just enjoy a beautiful dinner. I was in New York City at a nice Italian restaurant on the Upper West Side, and The waiter put a bread basket down on the table in front of us, and I remember looking into the bread basket and seeing the red blinky light. And the blinky light is really just a metaphor for the relationship that I had mentally with my work and my email. And something that I think really would have helped me detach from my churning over work thoughts and my inability to separate myself from, you know, wondering if I was needed or thinking about something I had done or thinking about a document and being like, oh, did I fix that footnote on page 86 or did I send out the wrong version of it? I think (laughs) something that I discovered much later in life, which is mindfulness and meditation, really would have helped me back then when I was stewing and churning and worrying about many things that actually weren't the most important things to worry about, but I kind of became addicted to those thoughts. So I wanted to bring this conversation to you 
in case you ever find yourself either stuck or frustrated or spinning or churning over work thoughts or any kind of difficult feeling that you get stuck on because meditation and mindfulness pretty much helps with all of that. And the cool thing about it is it's a universal skill and it's a muscle that you build over time that can solve so many problems. I want to say almost any internal problem because what you're doing when you're meditating is you're effectively getting really, really quiet and listening to your thoughts and just watching your thoughts as they come up. But instead of engaging with your thoughts and instead of kind of hooking into your thoughts and attaching to them, you just watch them. So the way that I like to think about it is if you're standing by a train track and your thought is the train and you see the train coming, you allow the train to just go right past you and you don't get on the train. So you don't hop on that thought and follow it where it's going unless you want to follow it. And this is such an important skill because if you're anything like me, your thoughts can go bananas. I mean, mine can get really, really crazy and go to places that I really wish they wouldn't go to. But if I have meditation, then it's okay because when I'm having these worry thoughts or these fear thoughts or I'm spinning or I'm imagining this crazy scenario that's probably never going to happen, I can stop and pause and remind myself that those are just thoughts and I can choose to separate from them and maybe even choose to find a different, better, friendlier, more optimistic set of thoughts. And that's why meditation is so incredible. And the conversation you're about to hear with Charlotte Myers is all about the stress that she faced at work and some of the frustration and stuck feelings that she got caught in and how she found meditation and mindfulness and was really able to use it to feel and perform better at work, which is just incredible because it's a win-win for everyone. You feel better, you do better, and it's also really healthy for you. Charlotte is incredibly well-versed in how to have a healthy relationship with your own thoughts. And we talk all about that in this episode. And just like me, she identifies as a feminist and she loves supporting and empowering women. So this was a pretty magical, very special conversation that combined so many things that I loved. And I learned a lot of new things that I'm excited to take with me into my life and into my career. So I'm really pumped for you to hear it. I will let you hear how she introduces herself and... I really hope you enjoy this. Should we begin? Should we should we get in? Ooh, yeah, let me take a deep breath first. Cool. Yeah, so my name is Charlotte um, and I my professional life work in fundraising uh, for a women's center um, and that entails uh, building relationships with donors and showing them the impact of their gifts and asking them for money occasionally. Uh, and outside of that, I also have a business called Airy Fairy Feminist, and that is really focused on empowering women uh, to stand in their own authentic selves uh, and not apologize and set boundaries and learn who they are and learn to like and love who they are. Um, and so with that, I have a podcast. I do one-on-one coaching and I also create courses. Um, 
And that's what I'm, I'm passionate about. You can probably tell from those two things. They have some things in common, um, social justice, uh, equality, and also just people living li- their lives as who they are and not who they think they should be or who other people want them to be because that's garbage trash. That's no fun. <laughs> I relate to that garbage trash. I dislike it as well. And you've talked before about how mindfulness and that self-awareness practice is a pretty big part of your work. I would love to hear about your journey with that, how you bring that into your work, all of the things. You can start wherever you like. Sure. Um, so it is definitely a journey. So I can sort of go back to when it started. Um It was maybe three or four years ago, I had left a really steady job uh, for a small community nonprofit uh, job at an LGBT organization. And it, I thought was going to be like my dream come true. I kind of call it my um, millennial midlife crisis (laughs) because I really thought that, you know, once I found the right job at the right organization with the right mission, I would be totally fulfilled and it wouldn't matter how much time I was spending there, how hard I was working, how stressed out I was. Um, I thought that that was going to just all be taken care of by the fact that I was passionate about the mission. Uh, And I discovered that to not be the case. (laughs) The organization, while there were many wonderful people involved, it just had a lot of issues. it wasn't well staffed. Uh, it wasn't well run. Uh, there was, you know, problems with money coming in the door. And I was the head of fundraising. I was the only person responsible for fundraising. So I was literally responsible for people's salaries and their livelihoods. And that was so much stress. Um, and so when I started that job is when I started listening to uh, Jess Lively's podcast. Um, some of your audience may know of her. Uh, and just because I had a long commute. And someone had told me about it. So I started listening to it. And she at that time was talking about, you know, mindfulness and meditation. And she was just interviewing people. And the one person she interviewed uh, who really got me started was Hal Elrod. He wrote The Miracle Morning. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But um, it's basically where you just take some time in your morning and you uh, there's like six different things you do, but you meditate, you do appreciations, you do affirmations and a few other things. Uh, and so as things started to get more and more stressful in my job, I uh, was like, well, I've got to do something because I just never felt good. Like I just, it was always stressed. There was always so much going on. I was always working so much. Uh, so I was like, well, I guess I'll give this a try. And so I started doing that. And that really like allowed me to, um, you know, uh, exist and not cry every day <laughs> um, at that job. And so I found that by practicing mindfulness and appreciation and meditation, I was able to find some space um, and some time that I felt like I really controlled and wasn't controlled by anyone else. And so um, that's how I got started on the journey. And then really as Jess's podcast sort of evolved into uh, some even more spiritual stuff, I kind of jumped all in and have been on that journey ever since. Uh, But mindfulness was definitely the beginning of that and like uh, saved my mental well-being for sure. Did you 
jump right into meditation and the morning routine? Did it take you some time to kind of figure out how all of that clicks with you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, at that time, less so now, I'm really good with a procedure and with a specific kind of program. And so um, I just jumped right into like exactly what that book sort of entailed. He had very specific things. So um, it, let's see, it's, it's the savers. So it's silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing, which essentially means writing. Um, And what I liked about it, because at that time, I felt like I had no time. I had a lot of uh, time scarcity going on. Uh, You could do it all in six minutes. He was like, you could spend one minute on each of these things. And so it started really small. um, And then eventually, I was getting up like an hour early so that I could spend more time doing that because I liked it so much. and then that community is interesting because then they're kind of like, I get up at 3.30 in the morning and I do a three-hour miracle morning. I don't think you have to do that. You just have to find what works for you. Um, and then I don't I do not do that exact thing anymore. It sort of evolved from there, but it was a really good, manageable way to get started. Wow. The word scribing. I should start using that if someone interrupts me. Be like, I'm busy scribing. I will get back to you later. (laughs) I think he was just trying to make the acronym work. I think he might even (laughs) say that in the book. That's why he called it that instead of like writing. But essentially, it's like journal or um, write appreciations. I I did gratitude journals. That was my my scribing. But yeah. (laughs) That's a funny word. I might start using it. There you go. When I started to get into meditation and some of that stuff for a while, I kept thinking, I'm doing this. Is it working? Is it working? I I don't think it's working. And then I skipped a couple of sessions (laughs) and then I realized this was working because I started getting very frenzied immediately and I could just sort of tell. But um, I'm wondering, how did you notice the change? Because it probably took some time. How did it start showing up? outside of the actual morning practice and in your day-to-day? Yeah. um, So I had a similar experience to you. It was like, I think part of it, okay, two things come to mind. One is it was just a new thing. I had never done anything like that before. And so I think like that was growth and that was learning. And so I feel like when you take on something new and you learn it, as long as you, you know, don't hate it, um, it's exciting. And so uh, that definitely kept me going. And then I did notice like when I would stop, because sometimes I would get in such a crabby mood that I would just want to sleep longer. Uh, but I would notice that when I did that, it wasn't it wasn't like it was adding a ton to my life. Well, I guess it was. I just wasn't noticing it until I didn't do it for a couple of days. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm feeling worse throughout the day. My thoughts are racing more. Because um, what happens when you practice especially meditation, like the whole thing was really helpful. But I think meditation was the big one for me. Because when you practice in like a a kind of protected environment of like a room where no one's going to bother you, like your cat might climb on your lap, but that's not going to stop you from meditating. Um, And you practice just retraining your thoughts back to your breath or back to your body if you're doing a body scan. you start to make this space and you start to be able to train your thoughts back so that when you're going through the rest of your day and your thoughts start racing when you're at work, it's sort of natural. It's kind of like um, muscle memory. Like 
you can bring your thoughts back and you can go, oh, look at that. My mind is racing and I'm going off into all these scenarios that are not likely to happen at all. But my anxiety is just going. Um, you can learn how to sort of bring it back. And even if you don't take like a deep breath, which I think is always helpful, but sometimes it's hard to remember. Like I still think your brain just knows. And so you're sort of um, working that muscle of, of being in the present moment. And that certainly helps because you can't be anxious if you're in the present moment because then you're thinking about a future moment or you're thinking about a past moment. You're not really in the present moment because if you were in the present moment, you wouldn't be anxious or thinking you don't have enough time because you have the time that you're in right now. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. The anxiety is this layer that is on top of whatever is happening around you. Mm-hmm. And it can feel like it's happening around you, but a lot of times it's internal. One thing that I think might be helpful for people, hopefully this isn't too strange of an exercise. If it is, let me know. But would you be able to sort of walk through what is happening in your mind as you're meditating? Because I think some people, I know for me, it's sort of confusing to understand what it is and kind of how you internally are interacting with your thoughts. Would yeah. you be able to spell that out? Sure. Um, yeah, a lot of people think that meditating is not thinking, which is uh, untrue. I mean, maybe you'll get glimpses of that. Maybe, I don't know, like Eckhart Tolle and uh, other people, they don't think when they meditate. But really what you're doing is you're learning to observe your thoughts. So say you're focusing on your breath, which I'll be the first to admit, the focusing on the breath ones are always weird because I'm always like, am I breathing weird? <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll take that as an example, right? If you're sitting there and you're focusing on your breath, I feel like I start to control my breath more than just letting it be natural. So I have those problems and I still meditate and it's fine. Um, but so what you do is you focus on your breath. And then when you start to think about something that isn't your breath, you just kind of go, oh, I'm thinking about something that's not my breath. Okay. And then you just return to your breath. And sometimes you'll go the whole time and you don't focus on your breath at all and you feel like you haven't meditated, but that's why it's a practice. Um, and and a lot of it is just really hard for people to just sit still because we have so much um, internal and, you know, quote unquote, external expectations of us that we feel like we always have to be doing something and to sit still is to not be productive. Um, but really, when you learn to sit still, like you actually end up being more productive if you care about that. I don't really care about being productive at this point in my life. Um, I care about feeling good. But uh, yeah, it's it's a practice in, in that. So it can be so hard when things get like crazy, crazy, crazy busy and you start feeling that rush of, oh, my gosh, too many things. That is that's when you need it the most. And that's also when it is the most challenging to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why um, I would recommend, I mean, I started doing it in a pretty negative scenario because I didn't know where else to turn. I was like, well, I can't make there be more hours in the day. And I unfortunately cannot do all of this work. Like there was no physical way I was going to be able to do all that work. So it was just like, well, I've been hearing about this thing. Let me give that a try. I don't remember like the exact moment when I decided I was going to try it, but um, probably just from reading that book. Um, but yeah, it, it's when you do it, when you, it's not a ton of pressure on, 
then that's good, right? Like you just have to choose to actually do it when there's not a ton of pressure because then when the pressure is on, you'll already have it in there. So do it on a weekend. Like if you're if you don't work on the weekends, do it on a weekend morning as opposed to a barrier for a lot of people can be like, well, I don't want to get up earlier. Fine. Do it on a weekend. Do it in the middle of the day. Do it after work. Do it whenever works for you. Just try it. And if it doesn't help, then that's fine. But if it does, but it, but it will because that's science. It will help. <laughs> so you were in a situation where basically you were in a high pressure environment. And one of the things contributing to the pressure was having more things to do than time. And you found this as a tool. And then you're still in that situation. And the environment is still the same. But how did your experience of the environment and your reality shift once this started helping you? So uh, there's a short-term and a long-term answer to that question. And the short-term question is that in the day-to-day, I just felt less stressed. And I was able to see things as they were happening and just sort of notice them and not react to them. Because that's another thing you do um, in mindfulness and meditation is you learn to kind of um, not necessarily, it's a little bit of distancing yourself, but it's being less attached to kind of what's going on. So you can just notice it. Um, and so that was definitely the day today. But then the long term answer is I was only in that job for six months. And eventually I did choose to leave um, because it just wasn't worth my, I mean, my mental well being. It was just really stressful. Um, and I think that you can choose how you react to your circumstances. Um, I think that takes a lot of practice. And at that point in time, I wasn't like, I'm not a Zen guru now, but I certainly wasn't one then to be like, okay, this is all happening and I'm still good. Like it was still really affecting me. So um, I did eventually choose to leave, which I think uh, anyone should do if they're in a position where they are just not feeling good often. I'm really happy that you said I was not a Zen guru. I am not this. It did not make me this invincible person because I, for me, the thing with all of this stuff, whether it's mindfulness and meditation or some other practice, it's not about getting good at the thing and becoming the thing and doing the thing. The thing is there for you and it's purely there for you to feel good. And I think it's important to not make it into another source of agony. (laughs) Yeah. And um, that's what I want to say, too, is, you know, I'm talking a lot about meditation and mindfulness, but uh, I never want to put expectations on people. So I don't want your listeners to go and say, oh, my goodness, I should meditate. I should do this. I should scribe. I should do all of these things like (laughs) you have to (laughs) you have to find what's right for you. Um, And maybe that means you get up in the morning and you listen to music and you dance around your house. Uh, Maybe it means you go for a walk. Um, I do suggest taking time for yourself because I think uh, a lot of people are not taking enough time for themselves. Uh, But it doesn't have to look like meditation. It can look like whatever whatever brings you uh, joy or peace or whatever you're looking to feel. A hundred percent. For me, one of my things is I need to be going out once a week and getting a glass of wine with someone who makes me laugh and who I love being around. And that is more effective for me than some of these other practices. And so that's (laughs) what I do. (laughs) Yes, it's perfect. And there's that's cool, too. It's whatever works for people. And the process of trying this stuff and the exploration process should be fun. And if you try something 
and it's not fun or you don't like it, then you get to go try something else. Yeah. Like I, so I take a yoga class at my work. It's, uh, so it's every Monday and it's over the lunch hour and it's literally in my building. It's one room away from my office. Um, and there are some days when I just don't feel like doing it and it's super cheap. Like there's every reason to do it, right? Cause it's right there. Um, but I almost didn't sign up for it because it's a vinyasa class. And I'm like, oh, I like meditating and I like peace of mind. So I should, this is so convenient and perfect. But when I go, I don't always really enjoy it. Um, and then I did just discover yin yoga. And oh my goodness, if you want to do a yoga class that is just like an hour long meditation, basically, where you barely move uh, and you just lay on the floor pretty much, try yin yoga because it's like my new obsession. I love it. Is that similar to restorative yoga? I think so. Yeah, it's um, it's where you just you do like maybe ten poses throughout the whole hour, and you just you sit in them for longer, um, and you just kind of let it go. And it's it's been kind of a like vinyasa yoga. Like my friend calls it good butt yoga. Like when you're doing yoga just to <laughs> for exercise, which is great. Um, I just want to meditate uh, pretty much, and so. It's been really nice and it's been more spiritual for me. And the the instructor, uh, she has been saying things that have been really been resonating with me lately. Two of the things she says all the time are, let it be easy and let it be peaceful. And I just like that. It's like not striving for something to be easy or peaceful. It's like, just let it be, let go. Like that's that's really where that comes in because if you – get all uptight about meditating every single day. And if you don't meditate, you're pissed off, like, and and you're putting all this pressure around it. It's not going to have the impact. You want to let it be, let it be easy. I love that so much. Yeah, she's wonderful. One thing that I would be curious to hear from you is maybe an example of a before and after. So something very stressful blows up at work. I would kind of love to hear you walk through what is going through your mind and then sort of, again, what that experience was like, but having the mindfulness toolkit under your belt. (laughs) Yeah. um, I can give an example from my current job and a coworker um, there. So when I first started, which was two and a half years ago, Actually, I'd done an internship at this same organization when I was a student. So I knew her from then. And then I came back. Um, it was very reactive. Uh, very, like, I knew how things should be done. And she clearly didn't. And she did, I just, everything she did irritated me. I would think about talking to her and it would just bug the crap out of me. And this was actually after I started doing meditation and mindfulness. So it's a journey for sure. Um, because I still was having those reactions and, uh, I'm getting sympathy pains. (laughs) She just, uh, uh, she, we just do things so differently. And there was a time in my life where I just didn't, I couldn't abide that. Like I just, it drove me nuts because I thought I knew the best, most efficient way to do everything. And she didn't care about being efficient. Um, she cared about including people and, um, really talking things through and, uh, doing all of these things. And <laughs> through, um, through my different practices that I do, I've also, uh, one kind of meditation I really like is loving kindness. Uh, and 
that has sort of helped me to think about, okay, what are the positives in everyone? And now she and I are so close. She's the only person in my office who I've told about Airy Fairy Feminist. Um, she is very into mindfulness. She's into quantum physics. She's into all of these other things that I'm learning about. And now we've connected so much. And I really appreciate her. Um, and she still has the same exact work style. Like that hasn't changed. Uh, and there are moments where I'm like, okay, but can we make a decision now? But it's, I just have gained so much more perspective and so much. I still wouldn't describe myself as a patient person, but I'm d way more patient than I used to be. Um, yeah. So it's just more lighthearted. Like, and the other thing I think too is just sort of gaining perspective of like, when you're in it and it's stressful, it seems like the only thing, but it's not. The world and the universe is so much bigger. Sometimes it's helpful to think about the fact that like in, I mean, a ye five years, really probably less, no one's going to care whether or not you replied to that email. Like, so um, gaining that perspective in general about my work and not making it my everything um, has certainly helped me to appreciate, um, actually, uh, a point of joy for me is that I can look at every single one of my colleagues and appreciate something about them now, as opposed to uh, that was not the case a couple years ago at all. <laughs> I relate to that a lot. And sometimes you feel like you have to stay resistant because if you don't, something will fall apart. It feels like that's how justice is served is by yeah. disliking that person in your mind and you hold on to that and you don't want to drop it because you're annoyed. But then <laughs> when you finally do, you realize that you are so much happier. So who cares? Yeah. And well, and if you don't continue to feel angry about it, how will they learn? How will they change? How will they come over to the way that you do things the right way? Right? Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Um, then another like big learning of my life, uh, that's gone, you know, pretty much my entire life up until this point has been learning that you cannot control other people. There, there's nothing you can do. You can't change anyone. They may change. It's not saying people can't change, but it's not going to be only because of you. And if it part of it is because of you, it's because they're willing to listen or learn and something is happening in their lives that's opening them up to it. I spent a lot of time trying to control people. And I've also spent a lot of time learning and I'm still learning that uh, that's impossible. <laughs> I fully agree. The way that I think about it is there are two variables within your control. It, you can either just accept and try to sort of do what you did mentally, which is not make yourself any more crazy than you need to be made. Or you yes. can put distance between yourself and that person either by trying to minimize the amount that you work with them. It could even look like leaving a job. But those are kind of the axes that you have to choose from and work with. And sometimes it can just be helpful to say what makes sense for this particular situation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you can flow in and out of those two things. Like, um, like say with family members, like uh, there are some times where it's like, I just need distance from a family member. Uh, but then there's other times when allowing that person to be who they are and learning to accept them for who they are um, is really powerful. It's it, And it 
stresses you out so much less because you don't spend all this time like wishing they were different. You know, you accept instead of trying to change because like I said, you're not gonna, (laughs) you're not gonna change them. And if someone's misbehaving or not acting in a way that's right, that's not excusing their behavior. It doesn't mean you're saying that it's okay. It just means that you're trying to be internally more at peace with things however you can. Yeah, and this is something that I learned. Um, I can't remember which book it was, but it was one of Brene Brown's books um, where when someone does something that you feel, if it puts you in the kind of the victim mentality, like they did this to me, they like attacking me, they're doing whatever. She has this exercise that um, I found to be really helpful uh, where it's just, assuming the best of them, like whether or not it's true, like assuming the best of them is better for your own mental well-being and like your faith in, you know, humanity and people. Um, So for example, like if someone cuts you off on the road, I still think this, if I get annoyed in traffic because someone has cut me off, I'll think, you know, maybe they're, um, someone in their family is at the emergency room and they're trying to get there. How likely is it that that's true? I have no idea, but it's better for my mental well-being to think that that's the case as opposed to that person was really trying to hurt me because then you just you go through life feeling like people are attacking you and you're and you're always in this victim mentality as opposed to um, just being able to kind of flow with it and like shit happens. I'm sure I've accidentally done that to people at the same time too. Um, so if you can start to do those little switches in your mind, it it just makes a huge difference. I fully agree. And for anyone who's listening and thinking that's not going to fly with me, I get way annoyed when someone cuts me off or does X, <laughs> Y, or Z. I'm a very justice-driven person. And part of justice equals retribution. And <laughs> take it from a skeptic who can be very, very crotchety. It really, really is worth it in certain situations, not all, some behaviors inexcusable, but in certain situations, you really are doing something for yourself by just experimenting and playing and seeing if you can give yourself that space to not go into that reaction. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time to move into the listener question, unless there's anything else on mindfulness or on some of these topics that you want to hit on. No, let's do the listener question. All right, here we go. So it's mindfulness related in the spirit of the episode, and I will read you the question. So the listener asks, I'm getting burned out because I'm constantly churning over thoughts about work. In the morning on the way to work, I can already feel the anxious thoughts starting to bubble up. I stay busy and distracted during the day, but when I get home at night, I am constantly thinking and worrying about things that happened, even though I'm quote unquote off the clock. By the time Friday rolls around, I am not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally exhausted. How do I make this stop? Sincerely, tired of worrying. Yeah. So for me, it was meditation and and gratitude. I didn't didn't touch on this as much. Um, Appreciating what you have. So there is a practice um, that few people talk about. I don't know who originated it, so I won't put a name to it, but um, it's called like a rampage of appreciation. Uh, so meditation is obviously one option, but I can give this as another option. Um, you do it, uh, you can handwrite it or you can type it. I hate handwriting because I think faster than I can write. So I like to type it. 
Um, but you just sit down and you start appreciating something. People talk about, you know, appreciate three things from your day and that's fine. Um, but sitting in the emotion of appreciation for like five, 10, 15 minutes, however many things that means you need to appreciate uh, is a different experience. So what you do is you just, you start with a small thing. So I might appreciate um, that it's beautiful weather outside and the uh, color of the grass uh, in my lawn. And I appreciate that I am talking to you and I appreciate that I have my phone, which allows me to connect with people and uh, be my alarm clock and uh, call people and connect with people all over the world. I appreciate my room and my bed. Oh my gosh, I spend a lot of time appreciating my bed. My bed's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so you just sort of go with that and you start with the smallest, like it can be tiny because if you're feeling really shitty and you're feeling really stressed out and you're only focusing on the negative, It will be tiny to start with. Um, uh, One thing that Jess Lively talks about is I appreciate that the earth turns in a way that allows me to like not have to uh, that that enables gravity so I can walk and I don't have to worry about it. Um, So you can start with things that have like nothing to do with anything, but you just start small and then you keep going and then it'll get sort of bigger and bigger. Um, And that helps shift your focus from what our brains love to do, which is focus on the negative, um, and what society loves us to do, which is focus on the negative, right? Because they want us to fix things about ourselves. So that's how they sell us products. Uh, that's a side note. But um, so doing a, a rampage of appreciation is what it's called. So that's that's something to do to appreciate. Sometimes you can't even get there. So that's where the mindfulness and the meditation helps because you slow down the negative thoughts first before you go in kind of ramping up to the positive ones. Um, but whatever feels best for you. And then, so those are two specific things, but it's also just make time for yourself. Uh, when, you, when you feel like you're always thinking about something else, experiment. What gets your mind off of it? Maybe it's playing video games. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's listening to a podcast. Um, and also having compassion for yourself when you, when you are thinking about work outside of work. Um, that was a long time before I was able to not do that. Now I don't at all. And and it's great. So I trust that all of you can get there because it's just retraining your own brain. No one else has any control over it. Just you do. So um, I hope that's helpful to the listener. Really helpful. Yay. It made me really curious to ask you something about you, which is that I'm someone that was kind of a skeptic for some of this stuff. So if someone told me to practice gratitude (laughs) I would have been like uh no (laughs) but um it sounds like you might have had a skeptic streak in you also I'm curious if you did oh I'm trying to I'm so in it at this point I'm trying to remember (laughs) um so the gratitude actually what I think convinced me about the gratitude because I started I and I do have a skeptic streak but I've always been a really positive person um it doesn't mean I couldn't focus on the negative and like analyze the shit out of it. But uh, is this TED talk um, and I'm not gonna remember the name of the guy. Maybe we can find it and uh, you can put it in the show notes or whatever. Um, But he's talking about positive psychology Uh, and he's really funny. So it's a fun TED talk to watch. But then he talks about the science behind uh, gratitude or appreciation. Uh, And so that's where I started doing, you know, the three things from your day that you appreciate. And so if 
if you have a skeptic brain and you want more of the science behind it, that's a really good thing to sort of look at. So you can sort of convince your your uh, thinking brain that maybe this maybe this really would help. Because even I think I'm pretty sure like people with depression, like practicing appreciation is shown to be helpful. Um, a couple of things also popped into my mind for skeptics. Dan Harris's work, he has a podcast and a book called 10% Happier, and he's a very analytical, skeptical person. It's a good entry point for people who might be listening and saying, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> he's great. And then Sean Acor wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage. And that's also, I think, a good entry point for people who are newer to this stuff or who just it feels unfamiliar to them. Yeah. The other thing I would say for skeptics, too, is one, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, <laughs> well, you're asking a skeptic. Well, OK, OK. I'll ask your skeptic self. What's the worst that would happen if you practice appreciating things for five minutes? The world is going to implode. Uh, OK, so then the world's going to implode and then use your skeptic logical brain to say, what are the chances that that's actually going to happen? And it's probably pretty low. The other thing um, that's been interesting is to look at identity um, and what is triggering like your thoughts around identity, because if it's like, well, I can't do this because I'm a skeptic, because I'm a or a realist. I love when people say, oh, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I'm like, oh, that's just a pessimist. Pe that's what pessimists say is that they're realists. Um, <laughs> uh, just, yeah, identity is a weird thing. Like, and that's why it's so interesting for me to put feminists on my side. I still consider myself a feminist, but my feminism has changed for sure um, over the years. So what is what is just triggering who you think you are? And is that really who you are? And maybe you would learn more about yourself if you just tried something new. And maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's not, you know, woo-woo meditation and appreciation. Maybe it's just getting outside. Wonderful. So before I get to the closing questions, I just wanted to ask you to share where listeners can find you and get in touch with you if they want to connect or learn more about your work. Yeah. So people can find me on Instagram at Airy Fairy Feminist, A-I-R-Y-F-A-I-R-Y, and then Feminist. I hope you know how to spell. Um, <laughs> um, and then I'm also offering one-on-one uh, -on -one empowerment coaching sessions. Um, so if anyone really wants to dive into, you know, how to practice mindfulness, step into your own power, create boundaries, find your most radically authentic self, all of those things. I'd love to work with you and feel free to send me a DM on Instagram to get started. And now we are ready to go on to a couple of closing questions just to round things out. So the name of the podcast is The Art of Speaking Up. And I would love to hear your thoughts on speaking up, whether it relates to mindfulness, the topic of the show, or just your thoughts on it in general? Yeah. Um, speaking up is most powerful when you aren't attached to the reaction of others. So I speak up a lot. I mean, because I don't have a problem doing that. I don't really care what others think. And I know that that's not something that everyone can say. Um, but if you're speaking up because you want someone else's approval or you want someone else to accept you, um, just be aware of that. Like you can still do it. Like I think that's great, but uh, it's really powerful to stand so much in your own truth that when you speak up, it's 
for you and it doesn't matter what people's reaction is. So that's, that's been, we could probably do a whole other podcast on like how to get to that point. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but for now just notice and, um, just a more logistical thing. Like if you're afraid to speak up like at a meeting or, um, in your community, uh, many other people are probably thinking the same thing you're thinking. So if someone has, um, the strength to voice it, uh, then you're probably helping others at the same time. Yes, there's so many times where you're thinking a thought and then someone else says it. <laughs> and you realize yeah, exactly. you should just say the thought when it comes up. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, you can, you get there in steps. So even if it's something that is a challenge, first of all, I'm sure you and I still have situations where speaking up is going to be hard for us. But for someone who's more at the beginning of that journey, just allow it to happen in teeny tiny increments. That's all you need to focus on. And don't beat yourself up if you don't. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you weren't ready in that moment and that's, and that's okay. Maybe the next moment, but. Exactly. You can't get down on yourself because it's very likely that the reason that it's hard for you to speak up has less to do with you and more to do with something else. And so you really can't blame yourself because you're not doing anything wrong. You're just, you're doing the best you can in the situation that you're in. Yeah. For the final question, a little bit of context. I started this show because when I was in my 20s and figuring out all of this stuff about the professional world, I was having a really tough time. And I started it so that I could speak to other women who are in that situation and maybe going through some of the things that I went through. So to close things off, I wanted to give you a chance to speak to women and share whatever it is you would want them to hear. So I'll just give you the floor. Oh, thank you um, so much. But the the first thing that comes to mind is just like, you're awesome. Like I, <laughs> you might have a lot of things in your brain going on that say that you're not, but you totally are. And there's no measuring stick for that other than your own. And I think the measuring stick is like being you. So the more you can learn about who you are and be that, like the more joy you'll have in your life. And um, and not everyone's going to like it. And that's okay. Like there's a lot of people in the world. They don't all have to like it. You have to like it. You have to like you. And then everything else will sort of fall into place. Thank you for listening. I have to confess one little thing, which is that there was a time in my life where I had quite a consistent meditation practice, and I really did notice that things were better. Like I said, when I stopped doing it, (laughs) I realized that it was working because all of a sudden I felt much more frazzled. And as of late, I've been a little bit sporadic and inconsistent, and... This conversation actually gave me the motivation to want to do a little bit every day. So I'm going to aspire for a really short five minutes every morning because I know if I set the bar too high, I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to pick something super small and attainable and just go from there and and feel free to do it along with me. I hope we all stick with it. And if you're enjoying the show, 
I would be so appreciative if you could rate the show or write a review for the show or really the highest impact thing you can do is share the show with someone because the thing that I care about the most is helping more women feel good and feel confident and that's what I'm trying to do through this show. So the more women I can reach, the better. But the reviews and the ratings are like crack to me. And every time I get one, I get very, very happy. It's, it's nice that I can have such a such a positive reaction to something not as harmful as crack. So yeah, that's what that's like for me. Thank you for listening. I hope in the spirit of this episode that your day is filled with peace and that if something bad or annoying or frustrating comes up, I hope you have that really, really special moment where there's a pause in between when the thing happens and when you react and you just feel that space and you feel yourself have the autonomy and the decision power to not go down a thought path or maybe even a behavior path that you don't want to go down. It's really cool when that happens. So I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening and have an incredible day.